Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. All right, well, I have the absolute joy of wrapping up the message components of our worship series. And then next week, like I said, we're going to be having um, a worship night. I just want to encourage us, I guess, because I feel like, I don't know, depending on our mentality, I just want to remind us that doing a worship series isn't just about glorifying the band. It's not just about us saying, come on, church, you need to, you know, put your hands up higher and sing louder and, you know, be more engaged. What we're doing with this is challenging our heart, looking at the core of worship and encouraging us as a people to glorify our King, yeah? So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to be kind of stripping things back, which if you know me, I kind of like to do that. I like to be a bit raw and authentic. So sorry if you don't like that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, before um, I get into things, I'm just going to pray because we know that we want to hear God more than Carly. So let's pray. Awesome, Father God, we just thank you so much for your house tonight, Lord. We thank you for the sheer joy it is to be in your house, God. And I just pray that you would challenge each and every one of our hearts tonight, Lord. I just pray that that we wouldn't be here tonight being complacent or content with where we're at, God. And I just declare right now, Lord, that we are not here to be entertained. God, that we are here to seek your face, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would meet every one of us where we're at, Lord, and that you would challenge each and every one of our hearts in your name. Amen. So tonight we're going to be um, talking on the topic of um, intimacy in worship. And I think that's really fitting as we come into our worship night next week, um, learning together what it means to be intimate with God. And I think that as a culture and as a society, we've kind of misconstrued this idea of intimacy because often when we talk about intimacy, we hear about it from like physical intimacy or sexual intimacy. And so the thought of that with God is really awkward. And we feel like, I don't know, I feel like it can put up a wall between us and God being like, oh, I don't understand this whole intimacy thing because we're looking at it through that lens. Um, But by definition, the word intimacy means deeply knowing another person and feeling deeply known by them. So intimacy and worship is exactly that. It's a moment of deeply knowing our Saviour and feeling deeply known by Him. And I think that by definition, when we look at it like that, we live in a culture that craves intimacy. We live in a culture that craves this sense of belonging, that craves this sense of knowing that someone deeply knows me and that I deeply know someone. Um, through the week, I was reading an article on the Desiring Web, uh, Desiring God website. Apparently, that was hard to say. Um, I just want to read a little excerpt um, from it to you. It says, Intimacy is what we call the experience of really knowing and being known by another person. We frequently use spatial language when describing this experience. An intimate friend is someone we feel very close to. They know us at a deep level. And if something damages the intimacy with us, they feel distant from us. But of course, intimacy is not spatial, but relational. We all know what it's like to be sitting next to someone whom we feel distant, and we can feel close to a person who's 4,000 miles away. So I just want us to pause on that thought just for a moment, that intimacy is not spatial, but relational. Um, So for those of you who don't know, my fiance Tom, someone should marry that guy. (laughs) Okay. Um, We began our relationship in a long-distance relationship. And for us, like, while that was tough, we so value it because it laid a really strong foundation of communication 
of transparency, of vulnerability, and we built a genuine value for each other and a desire to spend time with each other. And so if true intimacy was built on something spatial, then times when we'd go a month or so without seeing each other, we'd have very little relationship to maintain. We'd probably be strangers or acquaintances at best. But to maintain a relationship of intimacy, we need to, to know deeply and be deeply known. It takes regular communication, it takes frequent moments of transparency, it takes vulnerability, it takes opening up about the hard stuff and celebrating together the wins, it's delighting in each other's company and actually desiring spending time together. And I think when we're looking at scripture, the Bible's quite clear that earthly relationships are designed to give us a picture of our relationship with God. We see God as the father and as a friend and especially um, when we see um, the picture of the husband and the wife and we understand that that's Christ and the church and us as his bride. So it makes sense that to understand this relationship of intimacy, we can understand that through the lens of our earthly relationships, yeah? Makes sense to me. <laughs> so it's the moments of raw, heartfelt conversation that create intimacy. Seeking each other's desires, seeking each other's hearts. So true intimacy is relational, not spatial. So my question to all of us, myself included, is this. How do I know if I have an intimate relationship with God? So, for example, Dave Worthy. It's looking at me like, oh, you just said my name and intimacy in the one sentence. Oh. But I've known Dave for heaps of years. I've got his number. I know where he lives. I've been to his house used to call on him to help me change a car tyre or if I needed help moving a fridge. I see him every Sunday. I consider him a friend of mine. But Tom and I communicate every single day. We're pretty much never not communicating, really. <laughs> he knows most of my thoughts. Poor guy. <laughs> he knows my every struggle, my every win, most of my challenges and my fears, my insecurities, my weaknesses. And it's with him that I share the most vulnerable raw part of my heart and trust him to guard it. So while I still have a relationship with Dave, it's not one of intimacy. It's not that I don't know him, it's that I don't know him deeply. I'm not in communion with Dave. And while I see him every Sunday, huh? I didn't hear that, I probably didn't need to. <laughs> while I see him every Sunday, once a week's not enough to build a relationship of intimacy. So, back to my question. How do I know if I have an intimate relationship with God? Do I communicate with God more than just on Sundays? Or do I just call on him to help me out when I need to change a tire? You know, do I just reach out in moments where I can't do it by myself? Or do I share with God most of my thoughts? Does he know my every struggle? Does he know my wins? Does he know my weaknesses and my insecurities, my fears? Do you share the most vulnerable part of your heart with him. So tonight we're going to continue looking at intimacy with God through those two lenses, to deeply know and to be deeply known by. Um, I was looking at synonyms um, of the word intimacy and some other words used to describe intimacy are confidence, affection, communion, friendship, understanding, experience. And I think in that light we have a really beautiful picture of worship at its core. To have a deep confidence in God, to have an affection for him, to walk in communion with him, 
to be called a friend of God, to have deep understanding of God, and to feel deeply understood by God, to know what it's like to truly experience his presence. So one guy, oh, sorry. <laughs> one guy I want to take a quick look at, and obviously for time's sake, we're just going to kind of paraphrase and unpack it, is King David. So <clears throat> we know David for many reasons. He's actually, aside from Jesus, the most mentioned man in the Bible. And so I think there's a fair assumption that we, most of us would have heard of him. And one of the things that we know about David is that on two different occasions, God refers to him as a man after God's own heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like if someone that God is nicknaming a man after his own heart, He's clearly got a really intimate relationship with God, yeah? So before we continue to uh, discuss the intimacy side of things, I just want to challenge the little thought of what if I don't feel intimate with God? For me personally, if something's not working, I'm not like a band-aid fix kind of thing. I like to get to the core and strip back and go, okay, well, why isn't it working? What's the problem so we can fix it? So I just want us to ponder for a moment, for those of us who might be in the category of I don't have intimacy with God or... I feel awkward about the idea of having an intimate relationship with God. So I want us to ask why. What prevents intimacy in worship? And obviously there's many things, and the things that I feel like for myself um, we're most likely to fall in the trap of are our view of our own sin, our view of God, our warped perception of God's view of us, and complacency. Um, I think that as people and as earthly, fleshly beings, it's really easy to see the own sin in, the sin in our own heart because it's magnified to us and then see someone else's highlight reel and compare our worship to that. Like it's really easy to see Rachel up here worshipping on a Sunday being like, oh, she's just got the most amazing relationship with God, but you don't see my heart, you don't see my sin, so I can't have that relationship. We don't see the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, so I just want us to ponder David for a moment and take some encouragement because I feel like this helps us understand this side of deeply being known by our Saviour. So we know David for many reasons. We know him as David who defeated Goliath. We know him as David, king of Israel. David, the songwriter of the Psalms. We know him as the son of David, the lineage through Jesus was born. We know him as a man after God's own heart. But what we also know from 2 Samuel 11, and Steve kind of touched on it briefly this morning as well, that David had really poor leadership skills. He sought out intentional and deliberate sin. He slept with someone else's wife, got her pregnant, then arranged for her husband to be brutally killed just so that he could marry her. Yet this is the person that God exclusively calls a man after his own heart. I think most of us have failed at some point, probably today, <laughs> but I would dare say most of us haven't deliberately sought out adultery and murder, and deceit. But God's not ashamed of David's dirt. And I think for me, like when we look um, back in Genesis, something that speaks really loudly to me is the fact that God made man out of dirt when everything else was spoken. And it says something to me about God's heart and desire to mankind. It tells me that God's not afraid of my mess. It tells me that God's not afraid to get his hands dirty if it means closeness to me. And so when we look at the Psalms, we see some of the most intimately, beautifully documented forms of worship in all of Scripture. We see honesty, we see transparency, we see vulnerability, we see hurt and anger, we see celebration, we see fear and suffering, we see an overwhelming sense of love, we see joy and victory. We see a true understanding of the heart and character of God. 
we see all of these words that I discussed earlier that tell us about intimacy, confidence, affection, communion, understanding, friendship, experience. Through the Psalms, we see a man who, despite his circumstances, chose a posture of worship, who, despite his shortfalls, chose to exalt God, despite his sin, chose to walk in communion with God. And I think that's a really great encouragement for us, that true intimacy isn't dependent on my mood or my circumstances. It's not a reflection of my ability or my own holiness, but it's actually the opposite. I think that true worship and true intimacy in worship is the most beautiful form of surrender. That it says, you know what, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I don't always live in a way that's pleasing to you. I know that sometimes... I'm a bit stale or stinky. I know that I don't always have it together, but it's out of that awareness that I choose to draw closer to God rather than it be something that wedges a block between me and God. So my awareness of my sin should compel me to run to the throne, not from the throne. True intimacy is being known deeply by someone. Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced, convinced. We live in a society where it's hard to be convinced of anything So this is a pretty bold declaration. I am convinced that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have this little thing that I like to do, and I've mentioned it up here before, but I like to call it finding small. And um, sometimes when I need perspective, what I choose to do is go and find something huge and place myself there, whether that's like a giant mountaintop or like an overwhelming cliff face, or just something. And just put myself there and bask in the bigness of God and the awareness of the smallness of me. A moment where I can just truly stop in awe of God, where I'm so overwhelmingly aware of God's love. I think that when we truly grasp the magnitude of God's love, we can't help but respond with worship. I am convinced that neither height nor depth nor anything else can separate me from the love of God. So I want to challenge us tonight. Do we actually understand? Do we actually believe and grasp the magnitude that is the love of God for us? Recently, um, Rachel and Dave drove out to Orange to pick up some sheep. And while they were driving, we happened to call them. We got engaged that weekend, so we were calling them to talk about that. And we happened to drive past. We are like, hi, <laughs> driving to and from orange um but we're on the phone Rachel's like oh my gosh this drive is so far how did you do it every weekend and we were like oh it's simple like when you know what's waiting for you at the other end you're willing if at the end of a five-hour drive there was someone that I was complacent with or fearful of or resistant towards I wouldn't be excited to go I would dread it I would delay it I would take detours doyle But driving out to Orange, every split second counted. I was one of those freaks that every single time I drove, I'd put the navman on, even though I knew how to get there because I did it every second weekend. Because when you see your ETA of like, I'm getting there at 7.36, no, I reckon I can get there by 7.30. (laughs) And like every split second counted. I didn't even stop for toilet breaks. Most of my greetings were like, hi, I really miss you, I need to go to the toilet. (laughs) Legit, legit. But every minute of my ETA stirred up excitement. Every green traffic light, Every car I could overtake, it was like, get out of my way, I'm pursuing my love. So my question is, do we see God like that? Are we desperate 
at any cost. Like, get out of my way. I need to get to my king. Get out of my way, busyness. Get out of my way, complacency. Get out of my way, bad attitude. Get out of my way, distraction. I need to get to my king. So I think when we truly get how God sees us, when we truly understand that literally nothing will stop his love towards us, there is no obstacle too far. There's no mountain too high, no altitude too bad, no frustration too hard, no hurt too painful, nothing that can separate us from the bigness of God's love. This morning as I was, you know, praying and thinking about this message, I was kind of reminded of the story of the prodigal son. And, you know, (laughs) just to bask more in my relationship, recently Tom and I got engaged, and so now on my hand I have this ring... (laughs) He should. In case you didn't know, I'm dating this guy. Engaged too. He keeps calling me his girlfriend. It's you too. <laughs> but I have this ring on my hand, and what that says is something about my identity. It changes my posture of intimacy. And when we look in Luke chapter 15 at the prodigal son, we see this like stinky attitude. It says, a few days later, the son gathered together everything and traveled to a distant country, and he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. That sounds really dramatic, but we probably do it too. And then as we know, he comes back to his father. He comes back to his true identity, which is a picture of us and God. And it says, he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. You know, God has put a ring on our hand. And that says something about our identity. It says that you belong to me, that you are my chosen, you are my beloved. So as the band come up, I just want to ask us this. How does our identity and our understanding of God's love for us shape our posture towards intimacy? So tonight we're going to wrap up with a worship song. And as the band come, we're going to sing together Reckless Love. And I feel like the lyrics of this bridge are really fitting in light of what we've just talked about. It says, there's no shadow that you won't light up, no mountain that you won't climb up coming after me, no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And you know, just like that verse that we looked at in Romans 8, there's no height, there's no depth, nothing that can separate us from God's love. So tonight, for just a brief moment, I want us to pursue that intimacy in a true moment of surrender, in a true moment of vulnerability, in a moment of authenticity, a moment of deeply knowing God and feeling deeply known by Him. It might be a moment to pour out your heart or it might be simply a moment to just stand or sit or listen or dwell, a moment of confidence of affection, of communion, of friendship and understanding. So tonight as the team leads us, why don't we just stand together and just just get intimate with our King, hey? Awesome, thanks.